Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Galit Speaks. I have an awesome guest for you today. His name is Sam Mitchell. Uh, he runs a successful podcast called Autism Rocks and Rolls. He has autism himself, and his podcast has exploded and become really successful. He's had some big names on his show, like Armani Williams, who is the first NASCAR driver open about having autism, and American Idol rocker James Durbin, who has autism and Tourette's. Um, one of his biggest guests was Dr. Temple Grandin, a professor in animal science at Colorado State University and an autism activist. He is a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, sells merchandise, has several sponsors, a creative writer and a blogger, um, and has also published a TED Talk called Sold Structure. And he's only recently graduated high school, so it's pretty amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Sam. I really appreciate you coming on. Yep, good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your journey and how you made it to this point. When did you decide to have a podcast and what led you to this? Okay, so hello everyone. My name is Sam Mitchell. It's going to be everyone out there. And I run the podcast called Autism Rocks and Rolls, and it is about autism and how we cope with daily struggles that you may or may not understand. I ran since October 2019. You said so, my big guest, Temple Grandin, and one he didn't mention that was the wrestling hardcore legend Mick Foley. And I have over 14K downloads with lots of sponsors, and it's grown to a nonprofit with the board of lots of people. I've done some speaking gigs. I've spoken in Oklahoma, Orlando, Canada, too. Whoa. And I've also done some local speaking in where I'm from. I've spoken in DC. How it started, though, is I joined my high school's media club. And ever since I joined that, I fell in love with it so much that I wanted to continue with my own media skills by starting my own podcast. Hence, Autism Rocks and Rolls was born. That's awesome. So when were you diagnosed with autism and how has that been? Well, I got to make sure I, I know what I know. What, it's funny. I also have a peanut allergy. So I always come like, OK, which one came first, the allergy or the <laughs> autism? Uh, four. Peanut allergy was two, or was autism. Okay. And um, when you were diagnosed, what uh, what changed for you in terms of how how you were able to be treated and and taught and communicated with? Well, I mean, really, I was I didn't really have a lot. I was excluded. Dealt with all the bullying and fun stereotyping. So that's kind of hard to do. Not much of a social life. At that time frame, it was just me being different and kids at that age. I mean, I'm not talking about just, you know, elementary kids, middle school, high school kids. We're talking about K through 12 ages. They just don't have time for different. Right. Yeah. And how did you deal with that? Um, were your parents a big support system for you? Oh, yeah. Family was a big support system. They always helped me out. And that was probably my big lifesaver right there was family supporting me in whatever way they can. I was always thankful for them. Still, I'm thankful for them. But how did I deal with it? Well, I mean, I dealt with exclusion by just trying to do what I need to do and I get out of there. So I just did my academics, then left the school and went to my happy place, which consists of many places. Well, it could have been rock and roll music, pro wrestling. But eventually, after a sophomore year, it kind of changed and I just got tired of being the outsider. So I finally just put myself out there and made some buddies and it worked out well too. That's great. So how did you, um, let, let's talk about that. How did you end up meeting your buddies and, and how did you know that those were the right places for you to be? Well, I think it was kind of, man. Well, I think that most of my classmates were, we were basically a bad class. There's no easy other way to say it. But the class coming in were really good kids. They were just, you know, good people. So I just thought the best way was to wait till then. And my plan worked because I still keep in contact with some of the class of 2022 today. Yeah, that's great. And was there less bullying 
when you waited for that other class or did you also yeah, come across it? There, but there was less. But freshman year, that was the worst probably of it because they would I would get picked on for the simplest things, like maybe scratching my ear the wrong way or the way I spoke or me being a good student and caring about my academics so much. Yeah. Did anyone uh, in the school speak up for you? Were there other kids or teachers or anyone like that who had your back? Oh, no. I mean, I had a buddy who did but here and there, but most of it was behind your back bullying, I guess what you call it, where they would bully you and nobody either see it or it wouldn't be considered as bullying or the teacher could not do nothing about it because teachers can only do so much. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't send a kid to the office for excluding a kid. Yeah. I think that type of bullying is so hard to handle because it's some of the some of the most hurtful bullying, right, is sometimes it's almost better when they acknowledge your existence and they say mean things to you, but like pretending that you're not even there or not letting you be a part of something is is really traumatic and really hurtful. Yeah, I mean, it is a sad truth. You know, I don't hate them. I never will. I just feel bad for them, truth be told. But to be honest with you, I still hold a grudge against them. I don't wish them death or anything like that. Like, I don't hate them that much, but yeah. I don't, I don't want them around again. Like just get away from me because if I see you again, you'll always be that person to me, regardless of how nice you treat me to this day. And I can't forgive you though. It's possible I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And um, so what kind of mental health issues did you have from the bullying and and how were you able to overcome them? Did you go to therapy? I did do one point it helped, but therapy today won't help because they just nag you with me. I need a solution when I go out the door. But what kind of mental health issues I need is anxiety and depression. Those are my two that I have. I have a lot of anxiety. It's probably from the bullying. I just have a lot of social anxiety as well. I do like to socialize, but to a point, once I socializing is done i'm done like maybe i have to do a big presentation for 30 people okay great that's fine i don't mind doing it but i need to mentally prep for that like oh my gosh what if this happens what this happens what this happens get those thoughts out of my mind i realize all right i'm me i embrace who i am if they don't like it they want to boo me boo me right away it ain't gonna affect who i am and it ain't gonna change the fact that i'm still on the stage versus people sitting in the seats right yeah, so with your podcast, and I've been, did, and I, if I may interrupt for a second, I've been doing oh. that. I've been speaking since 2022, and you'd think after a year I would have to stop doing that. Nope, I still have to mentally prep and be like, all right, this is my place. I'm the person in charge. I don't. You're in my island of relevancy. I can easily throw you out. Yeah, I completely understand that. I've been, you know doing public speaking for for a very long time, probably since uh, 2018. And it doesn't, like, I still get nervous before I go on stage. And it's, it's something that like, with time it eases, but I don't, I don't know if you ever fully get rid of that. So it's nice to know that somebody else feels that as well. How do you um, how do you deal with that with your podcast? So, how do you do your podcast? Do you go live? Is it something that is it's pre-recorded? And how do I do it? Well, it's not in front of people, so I just have a bike. So I don't really speak in front of people, so not much not much pressure. And I guess what I've been told through previous encounters is I'm a very fluent speaker, and I've been told that. Through my fluence, I use a lot of words that I guess I shouldn't be using today. And it's pretty cool. And thanks, Luis. I saw I'm happy to hear that you have autism ADHD. I also have ADHD. So something we're very like-minded there. Yeah, but anyway, guest on this show as well. And we got oh. to talk about his autism. Um, he's a so I just want to let everyone know who isn't uh, who doesn't see it up on the screen. 
But Lewis uh, said, hello, Galit. Hi, Sam. I too have autism and ADHD. And if you go to like my previous episodes, he is actually um, a scuba diver and um, working on his certification to be a mermaid uh, and uh, doing that through the lens of autism. Wow. Luis, we need to talk, my friend. I got a Facebook page, so friend me on there and we'll talk. But anyway, I was just going to say that I get that too. I mean, I've been through that still and it's still, still very effective. Yeah. So going back to your podcast, when you decided to do this, right, you decided because you were in, uh, you said media in high school and you wanted that to continue. Did you decide to pre-record it first? And where is your podcast? Like what outlets is your podcast? Well, our school podcast was called Thundercast. I just followed the same structure because I love the structure so much. And it made sense in my head because I've been doing it so long. So I kind of just took the structure of Thundercast with me and incorporated into my own in some capacity. Yeah. And what? so what are the different topics that you talk about on Autism Rocks and Rolls? Well, I have an acronym. It's called APE. So the A stands for Autism Behaviors. Maybe A-B, but maybe A-B-P, so I'm going to make any sense. So the A is for Autism Behaviors. So that stands for maybe I talk about a behavior I did when I was four or a tendency that I still do. I mean, varieties on what the topic is. And some of the examples of those is I did one on table manners. I know I've had an issue with table manners once upon a time. I don't anymore. I'm more clean than I once was. But if you looked at me, you would think I was a slob and filthy. However, it's still more, though, because I had an episode on anxiety. I had a lot of sensitive feelings. So not internally, but externally is what I say. I have a wet T-shirt issue, so I don't like wearing wet clothes. So that's another issue. And then P, that stands for perspective. So I've done a lot of interviews on people as well. Like I've interviewed Temple Grandin, McFoley, and I try to make it as inclusive as possible. So the only rule is to call my shows, you have to have a story. So I've actually had people who are, believe it or not, sexual assault survivors and ex-convicts. Yeah. So that's one. And then E stands for entertainment. So this is one where I go out of the box. So I've compared certain things to autism. I've compared pinball to autism, Red Dead Redemption to autism, which is like an old Western video game that I like to fiddle around with. And then out of everything is world Scooby-Doo. Whoa. So that like really has a broad, you know, like broad topics. And uh, I really love that you're taking all of these different things so that there's some that each person can identify with what they identify with. That's, I think it's really important to kind of make it that way because autism is a spectrum, right? And there are so many different experiences and each person has their own individual experiences. Um, So it's important to make everyone feel included and feel seen and feel heard. It is. I mean, if you think the guy who can't do anything who may may not look like the poster boy of 2023 with your body and your model looks try again because my friend they might be more successful than what you envision as the poster boy of 2023 yeah so what is what are your goals for 2023 and what are your goals for the podcast well i joke around the podcast and say ask me in five years and i'll talk again because the way i see this is I'm taking this episode, episode, taking this episode one day at a time, podcast one day at a time. So, I mean, it can lead me to next day where I go bankrupt. Next day could be I don't do it again. And that's not the plan because I enjoy doing it. But next day I could get an email from someone big or I could be making an episode tomorrow or I might be like, oh, hey, we're going to Brazil tomorrow to do a speaking gig. Oh, okay. So I like to kind of make it laid back. So it's just one day at a time to keep my mind set and straight. Yeah, that sounds like a really good plan. So you said you just recently graduated from high school. Um, do you have any plans on further education or? I do. We need to change that because it has probably now been a while, but I wrote that bio when I was 18. So okay. I'm still in college, but 
I haven't recently graduated. I graduated in 2021, so a little while long to maybe consider it still recent. Maybe it's recent. You do the math, figure that out. But I would say that I'm going to Vincennes to study media and broadcasting. That's awesome. So what are the, do the people in the school also listen to your podcast and have you showed it to your professors? Well, I don't know. I have showed it to like my previous professors and the ones I'm doing right now. But as far as the media class, no, I'm moving out of home in August to go there. That's awesome. So are you moving to um, to a place on your own away from your family? Yep. It's not too far. It's only an hour away. But it's still a little far than 30 minutes where I can just drive from the bank and go back home. <laughs> yeah. So did you get your own apartment? Do you have roommates? What is your oh, life? No, I, if I have a roommate, we'd be bickering all the time. So, <laughs> but I do have my own dorm and I do have it situated. out a little bit, I think as much as we can get situated for now. I have an orientation here in the next couple months. So we'll see how that goes. That's awesome. So yeah, how does it feel um moving away from your home and from what it has been until now your support system oh it's exciting nervous the typical college feelings that you get when you're moving away from your home for this reason it'd be like any other person yeah so how um what are the different things in college that you have to be aware of when it comes to your autism? Manipulations. I mean, I'm a friendly guy, but I know someone can easily take advantage of that. And the next thing you know, I'm in a car handcuffed for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So how do you protect yourself against that? And for somebody that has autism, that's looking to go to college, what kind of advice can you give them? Well, you can't really know 100%. And I took Taekwondo, and for listeners, and anyone who wants to listen, see my episode 129 on Black Belt's journey. I'll tell you my information about Taekwondo, and I interviewed my Taekwondo instructors. But you can't know that 100%. It's kind of a gut instinct. I mean, today I haven't told my parents because I feel like I'm getting in trouble. I could tell he was being nice, but it could have been the other way around. Someone offered me a ride, and I said, oh, I was going to my grandparents, but he offered me a ride there. Well, I know he's probably not trying to kidnap me or anything, but I still didn't want to take that chance. So I politely just, you know, stay out of the car and said, nah, I'm just going to walk in. That went, then we go. But he could have been that guy who was like, oh, I'm going to go take advantage of this guy. <laughs> right. Because he's so nice. Now, I don't think he was, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to, to understand. And I think that, that's not necessarily um, limited to people with autism. I know that at, as humans, we're kind of like taught to believe that people are nice and to not necessarily trust our instincts. And I'm a huge proponent of like, if something doesn't feel right, I'd rather not be nice about it. Like I'm not going to get in a car with someone or or stay in the room with someone or stay in the same area as someone if I get a bad feeling from them just to be nice. So I think yeah. it's really hey, important. It makes you feel any better. If you get in a car with me, you'll be treated right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that does help. <laughs> yeah. So when things like that happen to you, right? And you're in situations that your intuition or your gut is telling you that you shouldn't be in that situation. What do you do? Well, I mean, I did the first thing I did was just politely offer, you know, say no thank you. But if you kept offering me, I'd be like, look, leave me alone, give him a warning, or you're going to have an issue here. And we're going to have to probably sell this out. I'll probably use some Taekwondo on you for the right reasons. And that's your second warning. Third time, we're done. We're, I'm using Taekwondo. End of story. Hopefully, you'll get protected. I don't have to use a fist to face, which I do not want to do at all. But you pushed me there. 
Yeah. Do you feel that learning Taekwondo has given you some tools to be able to manage situations? Some situations, yeah. When it comes to thinking about the world, yeah. But as far as self-control and discipline, no, I'm still a wild, crazy person. And I mean wild and crazy in a good way. But it, I still am very strong belief and strong-headed. So hard-headed as what they call so that type that didn't really help much with the taekwondo aspect but as far as thinking about should i be doing this should i not and not over thinking about 24 7 yeah i would say so in that aspect yeah and um with uh you said your personality that you're you're very strong-willed and and uh um so how do you go through life like that? What are the different personality traits and how do you think that they've affected you either in a good way or in a bad way? Okay. I can probably help you out. So there's diff with this answer, I like to say I'm more of a doer than a dreamer. And I'm going to ask you a question in return though. There's a reason why I'm asking this. If you had to pick any big name to be on your show, who would it be? Ooh. Um... And there's a reason why I'm asking this. Yeah, I I feel like I would have to say Oprah. I just I know it's the first person that popped into my head that I was like, you know, like that's when I know like I've really made it and I and I would want I have so many things that I would want to pick her brain about. Okay, that's a good answer. And have you asked her? Huh. Have I asked her? No, but she is on hey, my right there, right there. Yeah. Stop there for a second why not what's stopping you because that's my point that's my point right there that's what doers do they'd be like all right i'm gonna try to get oprah winfrey on the show and if it fails it fails dreamers are like the majority of people which are like and this is cool that you are like this i'm not judging you for it. it's the way america is but they're like you know what i love to get this person for my event or this person for this conference i'm doing but man you know they're just too busy it's affiliates with my job. I love to get, I'm going to make an example, Luke Combs to play at this school, but they're probably just so busy. Nope, not me. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to get this person at my school to play for five minutes or for the for the day. And if it fails, you know what? It fails. Because I could at least say I'd rather try than hide. And fun fact, you're talking about Oprah. The definitely part of being the doer is I try to get Oprah on via the publicist of her. They told me no, but at least I tried. So yeah. my point I make here is, this is just advice for people I give to everyone, is be a doer, not a dreamer. So go do something that you really want to do versus be thinking about the, all right, this probably won't work, this probably won't work. And I know you're trying to be realistic, but it's holding you back. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, that's great advice because... I think that me not asking her comes a little bit more from not necessarily being realistic, but um, having like imposter syndrome of even though I've reached a certain point in my life, I always feel like, uh, or, and I've taken a lot of time to work on this, but I still feel like oh, I'm not supposed to be here, or I'm not good enough to be here. And um, it's really hard to make that jump, especially with somebody that you admire so much, like, you're, you're scared. I think it's, it's honestly just fear that I have to overcome. So I really yeah. like what you're saying, which is kind of like, so what? Wait, that's imposter syndrome? I thought imposter syndrome was where you just pretend to be someone. No, so... Oh, shoot! <laughs> yeah, imposter syndrome is when you're in a place, but you feel like you don't belong there, even though you do. Well, and I have that, apparently, because I still pinch myself, like, um, am I still writing a podcast with over 15K downloads? Am I really going to Canada? <laughs> I mean, I guess I have it now, apparently. Something new to add to the list. Yeah. So it's it's a it's it's a weird thing. And so it comes on in kind of like 
spurts, right? It's not, I don't always feel like an imposter. I, a lot of times, you know, feel really great about what I'm doing and where I am. And, and I do feel like I got here on my own talents and with my own hard work. But every so often you get into a situation, especially if you're in front of like a lot of super really successful people and you're like, should I really be in this room? Like, is, is this really me? Like, but yeah, it is. So it's- yeah, you think, uh, is this the life I meant to have? Because I am not used to this. I'm used to being in the dark here, but yet here I am in the sunlight. What's up with that? This is a whole new experience. Uh, how do I adjust to it? Love being it. Appreciate that I am now. Uh, what do I do to make myself fit in here? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. And it's something that I've worked really hard to overcome. Um, and there's still pieces of it, like in my daily life, but it um, it definitely stems from my childhood. I had I grew up in, in an abusive household. And so I was told, you know, very early in life that I was not worth anything by somebody that was supposed oh, to love me and be my parent, you know? So that in turn, you know, has a very long-term psychological effect. So I've had to work really hard on overcoming that, even though I know I'm smart and I know I belong and I know I'm in the right place. Um, yeah. So it's, it's well, can been, I interject and ask that person sure. who abused you was, you have to tell me which my relation or mother or father I could. Okay, let's, was it male or female? There's a reason why I'm asking male. this again. Okay, please. And I think this is true. If you're in that situation, this is what I've learned from others who have had this. And this is what I think would help. Have you found any other, like, not male models, but male role models in your life who are actually treat you with the respect that you deserve? Because if so, you've beaten, you've beaten the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I have had um, better male role models in my life after that. Um, I think for the first maybe 15 years after I left, uh, because we ran away to a domestic violence shelter, and maybe for the first 15 years, it was very hard for me to have um, male role models or positive male relationships. Um, But after being in therapy and ultimately one of my my best experiences in therapy was with a male therapist um and that felt uh like it helped me get over that fear of having you know male relationships or you know having allowing allowing it was really allowing myself to have positive male relationships right well if you're around me hey i could tell you i wouldn't hurt you i'm a male so i don't know if that makes you feel bad or not but i like i'm just being truthful with you yeah no i i do like that and i do appreciate that thankfully yes i've had i now have several positive male relationships in my life and um my husband is someone that kind of really supports me and helps me and and shows me what um positive male relationship can feel like when there's somebody that tells you positive things about yourself rather than tries to break you down right 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 So what about you? What kind of, oh, so there are people talking in the chat, so I wanna just acknowledge them. Um, Patricia McCarran said, yes, I agree, it's fear. So that was about the earlier part of the conversation about you know, fear of reaching out to people. Oh, um, I get it, because it's scary. I mean, it's scary to reach out for help. Not the easiest thing to do. I mean, my friend said it best, Rich Beto, who's our keynote here for a gala, real quick, I'll plug that in. But he said, and I agree in it, anyway, this way, but a lot of people don't like help because they don't want to admit this, but it's true. They're comfortable where they're at. Yeah. They're comfortable being sad. 
Yeah. And then uh, Lewis said, you also have me too. Thank you, Lewis. Yeah, I really um, am super happy that I have now, you know, people in my life, males in my life that are very positive and, and working towards bigger and better things and that support me and what I'm doing. Um, so what about you? Do you have females in your life that support you and, and help you get to where you're getting? Yeah, I came from birth. I'm not trying to brag, but I'm just trying to say luckily, and I'm not trying to offend you at all. I mean, I'm just saying luckily, I just came from a good family. I mean, that's just no easy way to say it, but I had female role models since the time I was born. So yes, I would say from family, but as far as friend-wise and that, I would say, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of family members that are really helpful and will do anything for me. That's awesome. And do you have siblings? Oh, no, I, I'd probably throw them, out, probably throw them out the window if I did. Yeah. So um, that's cool. So you, you also don't wish you had siblings. No, because I mean, I am a people person, but I'm not a working well with working together well with persons. So I mean, I prefer to work alone. I know with siblings and parenting, it's cooperation 24 seven. I couldn't do that 24 seven. I can cooperate with you, but I can't do it constantly. I know there'd be situations like, all right, here's the deal. We're doing it this way. End of story. You do something dumb, you're, I'm kicking you out. Yeah. Of my, of my brain. Yeah. So with your autism, did you identify early your limitations or the things that trigger you? I would say at a point in time, yes. I mean, the wet t-shirt was pretty easy where me wearing the wet clothes, that was easy, easy. But then there were some that grow on. I mean, there's some issues that last longer and there's some issues that go away. I mean, for the longest time, we had to work on me having foot and mouse syndrome. Well, we still work on that, but it's not to an extent. The wet t-shirt though, had that has followed me since birth, my friend. And then as far as me trying to learn some motor skills, I had a point where I was afraid of wearing the shirt because of the, when you, when you put it like right there, it's like dark. I mean, that was a fear and I'm fine with that now though. And how have as you- far as working, Yeah, I'm not the best with that. I've never liked working with people. I like to do it on my own because I work my own pace and learn a little slower, faster pain on what this is and I can assess myself. But it's funny, I'd always be the kids that are, do you wanna to work together or by yourself? I'm the odd dog raising, uh, by myself, please. I'm raising that roof. Yeah. So how did you, so you said like the, the thing with the t-shirt, right? Um, how did you know that you had to get over that fear and what process did you take in order to get over it? Well, we try a lot of things, but the best thing I do, and I'm going to look like a big hillbilly when I say this, but I tuck it in, which means like, you know, it's wet right here on the bottom end, like right there, I would tuck that into my pants. Or if it's like up here, well, maybe up there, because that's not possible, but up here where the O is and the rock and roll, if I got wet there, all right, we're going to pull it up a little bit, tuck him in. Either like a big hillbilly and not the smartest tool in the shed, I have to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to be focusing on this 24-7, not enjoying what I should be able to enjoy. It's happened a lot at theme parks, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine um, it's it, what it's like to have different um, sensory things and not be able to kind of let them go. Is yeah. there other at things? The time, at the time with the wet rise at, you know, like the falls or the, what do you call them, lock flumes? What do you call mm -hmm. them? Something like that. Can't remember. But I would, I would do it at a certain time frame. But the rule was, if I do it, we're going back to the car, we're changing clothes, or I'm not doing it. Good luck yeah. me getting on, you're going to have to kill, kill me to get on there. Case in point, I remember a situation with that. I went to Holiday World. It's like our big theme park in Santa Claus, fun theme park to check it out, but it has a log flume ride. 
And I didn't mind writing it later because I knew we would go to the car and change our clothes. Well, these three boys who were with me at the time wrote it. And I was like, okay, fine. And I couldn't stop because I was outvoted. But I said, all right, you know what? I ain't riding. I'm not hopping on that loft limo if we're not going to change our clothes. You guys go have fun. I'll just chill here. And that's what we did. They were able to handle getting wet. And I was like, you guys are nuts because I would be the most uncomfortable and most awful person to be around at that moment. Yeah, it's good that you recognize um, yourself and make allowances for yourself and and also understand like, oh, this has a consequence for me and I'm not willing to work with that co consequence right now. So I'd rather do it later. Yeah, and, and, I, and I knew we were changing clothes like the second time, but my the parents told me we're not going back to that car because we just got in here. And that was understandable. I was like, okay. But I'm not right on that log flume because I am not getting this t-shirt wet and not going to walk around awful with a, a pinchy feeling. I don't know how anyone can do that, really. I don't know how the boys did it with that pinchy feeling. I thought, how are you guys comfortable right now? Seriously. Yeah. So um, with situations like that, did you learn to speak up about it or was that something that just came naturally that you were like no not doing this don't feel comfortable <laughs> well it came naturally because I'm, I'm from a very outspoken family where we'll just tell you how you're feeling if you hate it tough luck so kind of came from the heritage i would say yeah So um, you talk about your family being supportive. Um, how did they react to your diagnosis? And I know that it was very early on in your childhood. How did their life, if you know, how did their life change when you were diagnosed? Well, I mean, they were, it was like any other family. They were going to do what they would do with any average person, I feel like. Maybe they were a lot more lenient, a little bit, I would say. Because the way that my family has said it is, okay, you have autism. We're still going to hold you to the same standards. But when you need help, we'll help you. And what are the different times in your life that you felt like you needed help from them? Well, I mean, I need help with them every day. I mean, I know here's a current example, the best one I can think of off the top of my head. I can't drive, so if I want someone to drive me somewhere, I can literally just call my grandfather, and if he's not busy, he'll drive me to, like, the doctor or the dentist because I need to go there. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really great that you have a family that, uh, all chips in, right? It's not just your parents, it's also your grandparents. And I think that really helps having that strong support system and, and people that are willing to pitch in when you need it. What can I say? I'm thankful for them, my friend. I'm really um, thankful for everyone in my life who uh, helped me out or really just wants to be involved. I didn't have that, fit, not 15. I got to do the math here, 23. seven years ago so and beyond that's a little longer than that so for now i just take it now with a silver spoon in my mouth but with a full amount of sugar where it's just like man i can chew the food and really enjoy the taste of it that's why i, I know it's not the best analogy but kind of sounded a lot better in my head than out loud yeah so do you have um besides for your family are there any like uh, other resources that you have for um, help or, you know, do you work with any nonprofits? How do you know how who else supports you in your life besides your family? Well, it's hard to answer without being bringing in the podcast realm, but the sponsors is one thing. Every sponsorship that has has some relevance to me. I appreciate that. However, there's a lot of friends I have that support my back. My two buddies, my cousin, and my best friend, who's now like my brother. We've known each other since kindergarten. They've always had my back. So 
those are two of my really best friends that I don't think I would be able to live without them. And uh, what kind of like resources or things have you been able to take advantage of in college to help you complete your studies? Huh. Well, in college, they don't give you nothing, I don't feel like sometimes. But I feel like an answer for high school. In high school, I think that they gave me extra tests on extra tests. Wow, I got two tests, everybody. No, I did not do that. I would have killed myself. But anyway, I got extra time on tests. That's one thing I got. I got, let me see, what else did I get? A, a resource room that had a, a, other students, but there was some resource I got. I could play music if I needed to for a little bit. And I got, you know, modified tests where, okay, they need to help you out by saying, all right, matching the circles with the triangles, like you have A, B, C, D, E. Well, maybe for 21, there's a circle on 21 and there's a circle on D or F. Okay. And you said that in college, you really don't get that? Huh. I mean, they can give you what they can give you, but there's some of the accommodations that aren't going to follow high school. Don't know why. Don't ask, because I have no idea. Okay. Um, but there are some accommodations for you and your diagnosis, right? Yeah, in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got some, but I would prefer some of the high school come with me. Like high school accommodations come with me, but we try and try and let's just say that ain't going to happen. Yeah. And how, um, how has your experience in college been? How have the students treated you and how have the professors been treating you? Well, the good thing is unlike grade school is they were social, but they wouldn't leave you alone. Like they would pick on the smallest details. The, the, it's the other way around this time. They'll leave you alone and not pick on the smallest details, which is great because I could feel safe walking into class, but they won't talk to you. They won't want to make a new friend. Well, if you're like me who wants to go talking to people, that's a little bit of a tricky situation. And I do online too because the problem I'm having, I'll be honest, the pace. If you want to teach me something, you got to go slow and at a B track, as I call it, where it's like, all right, Maybe one day you're teaching, next day we're reviewing. But if you're going to teach me an A check where it's like, all right, teaching the topic, worksheet, move on. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because my friend, I ain't going to learn nothing. Yeah. And with online, I can do that. But me transferring, that's going to be a little of a hard situation. And I don't know what to do with that to this day. That's something I'm still focusing on trying to figure out, all right, how can I teach myself at a B track when they're going at the A track? <laughs> I don't know how yeah. I'm going to do it, buddy. I wish I could give you the answer on how I could. But it's wow. it's stressful, but I'll figure it out. I've figured it out since I was one. So. Yeah, maybe um, because I've done stuff like this where uh, I have recorded my classes. Um, and that way I can kind of review it with myself. The only problem with recording the class is that it's during the class that if I screw, if I miss one word, I'm done. So like you're writing the notes, da, 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 da. are we done? Okay, great. No, 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 no. Oh, we got to go anyway, buddy. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm done, buddy. Yeah. No, I'm not allowed to this word right now. Yeah. I met with like a, with like a camera or on my phone, like a voice note so that I would hear it. Um, so I had this program. Huh, I don't remember what it was called. I've been out of college for a while. But there was this program that Come I found. Come on, Gal, you gotta help me out here now. Uh, let me let me try to. Th I I will I will look it up and send it to you. But basically, it was on my iPad, and as I took notes, it would record what the professor was saying, and so I could literally hear what they were saying. I could play back to myself what they were saying while reading the notes. Like I could press on like a line or something. And it would read me back what the professor was saying when I wrote that. I like what you said about voice notes. I might take that into consideration. Yeah, it definitely helped a lot because I was someone that um, I did really well in school, but I also was not amazing at taking notes. And I really liked hearing what they said again. 
Um, so it really helped for me. So maybe you can take that and, and have it help for you. I really like that you're, you're open to figuring out a way to adapt to the situation. I mean, I'm always doing adapt to a point, but there comes a time when like, I'll be honest, a lot of these kids these days, they give up off the battle. You have to baby them. I've noticed, and I've noticed through my mom being a teacher. But with me and my generation, it was like this. We'll try, but after a while, if we don't know, we don't know. Versus my mother's generation, it's like, okay, figure it out. Mm, but I can't. Okay, figure it out still. But I can't. Don't care. Figure it out. That's not what I believe. And I think that's too crossing the line. And that's just like, whoa, are you going to leave them in the shop because they can't figure out how to plug in this electrical cord? No, that's not what we do. If we don't know, we don't know. We will try, but there comes a limit. That's why I was with my generation, how that concurred. And that's what I noticed. Yeah. So how do you get past that? Like, what do you, what do you tell people to do if you're in the situation where you don't know what you don't know? Like, how can someone help you? Guide me through it, which means either A, tell me the steps again, slower. B, if that fails, do it again, but guide me this time. Or if all else fails, you're going to have to do it for me. Now, I don't want to be like, all right, do it for me. Thank you. No, I don't do that. But if I don't know, and I try every last resort of mine, you're doing it for me. Yeah. But let me try first. Let me try first. I've had you a lot though, with the way I think as well. I'm a very out-of-the-box thinker sometimes where I overanalyze. I'm like, with, with certain situations, socializing or aspects of life itself. And if I don't know, I will ask for help. But I'm like, all right, before you jump the guns, let me try this first. Let me try this. Let me try this. But if all ends comes to crap, I'm going to ask you for your help. And if your help is not good, I'm going to go to someone else. Or if you try helping me and everyone's tried helping me, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to do it for me. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And I really like that you want to have the opportunity to do it yourself. You just need somebody to walk you through it and to guide you and to help you. Right. But I don't mind at first. It's like, all right, here's what he wants you to do. Read these instructions, figure it out. Oh, okay. I'll try it first. But then if I don't know, then we're going to need some help. So I don't mind the, a little bit of the old generation, like throwing me in the shop to figure out the electrical cord. But if I try after three hours and I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. So um, we're coming up on about 50 minutes. I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your podcast and tell people how they can find you and how they how they reach out to you. Well, you can find me on all my major media platforms. I'm on Podbean, Spotify. If you think I'm there, I'm probably there. And you can Google search me. Google will tell you everything clearly. But I also have a website, autismrocksandrolls.com. So if you check that out, you'll see all my events. You'll see my speaking gigs coming up. And you'll see all the podcasts I've been on. Awesome. And what kind of speaking gigs do you have coming up? Well, let me think. What do I have coming up? Well, I mean, I know it's not really speaking gigs. It's more of an event. But I'm having a gala this weekend about autism acceptance with our speaker, Rich Beto who was the former drummer for Finger Eleven, who has a stepson on the autism spectrum and has battled bipolar disorder and alcoholism. Wow. And let me think of what else here. And then this is still in the works, so bear with us on this. I think in June, I might be going to Stewart, Florida, and then in July, Orlando, Florida. Again, in the works, still working on finances. But this I do know. In August 5th, we'll be having what I call an ARAR summer party autism rocks and roll summer party which means we will have music and that will be from local band all access band and duke tomato cool so do you um with those events like do you plan them and throw them or well, we all come over together as a board so i have the board as i mentioned earlier so we do it with the board 
But I like to say, I think the way this has been, someone always takes the reins of the event. So my mother takes the reins of the gala. I'm probably taking the reins of the summer parties, knowing how my board is and my family is. Yeah. That sounds like a like an awesome uh, awesome summer coming up for you. It's a big there, one coming up, but hey, I'll manage yeah. through. Is there anything that you're really excited about that's coming up? Well, I mean, the freedom of moving out, that's one thing. Maybe you see how that goes. So that's something kind of exciting. And let me think of what else. Well, I mean, what's exciting that's coming up is hopefully in July at some point, I'm a fan of ACDC, big rock and roll guy. So hopefully I can find a time to see um, our local ACDC tribute band, ACDC Thunderstruck. So that's something a little personal that you can put on there is I'm a big fan of rock and roll music. Yeah. So is that how um, the name of your podcast came about? Yep. And I'll tell you this, rock and roll music helped me my loud noises. So they're the reason why I love pyro and loud noises and air horns. So rock and roll music kind of changed my mind on that. Yeah. I think music can be very therapeutic. So I love that you found a music that helped you cope with your autism in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any last words or um, like nuggets of wisdom that you want to leave my audience with? Well, I mean, it's not really words of wisdom, but it's truth. I think if the world could be nice, not be stupid, we get along so much better, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Have a nice day, everyone. I love that. Thank you so much for being here, Sam. I really enjoyed having you here. Um, if you're watching this now or on the replay, please make sure to reach out to Sam, follow him uh, and his speaking engagements. Lewis said bye. And uh, I'm sure you guys will be in contact as well. That'll be really cool. I hope something amazing comes out of that. Um, but if you are watching this and you think that there's someone that needs to hear it, please make sure to share. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, subscribe, do all the things. Um, thank you again, Sam, for being here. And uh, I will see you all for another episode next Wednesday. Bye-bye.